0: This is the John Oakley Show Podcast. Forever 21. This is the California retailer. It's popularized fast fashion, you know, things under 50 bucks, $5 tops and that. Primarily for younger women uh, in that demographic, 18 to about 40 is what they say. It's a private family-held company, and they're restructuring. They filed for Chapter 11 now. They're going to cease operations. 44 stores in Canada, but uh, up to 178 stores are going to be shuttered in the States, 350 overall, reflective of a changing retail landscape. So it's said. Let's find out what's really going on, and uh, in a broader scope, what is a symptomatic of? Carl Littler has joined us on the line, the Senior VP Public Affairs with the Retail Council of Canada. Carl, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. So is this symptomatic of a broader change in retailer uh, retailing, what we see with Forever 21?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first it's, you know, obviously a sad turn of events for those who are working at those 44 stores, although uh, retail is uh, always looking for good people, so I presume that there'll be lots of opportunity for those. Um, yeah, there is, there is something in here that one needs to be mindful of, um, and, you know, a lot of it's been put down to online, which in the U.S. is is bigger business than it is here, but it's more complex than that, we think. Um, there's been a bunch of things that have evolved since Forever 21 came to Canada. Um, the rise of outlet malls is is a pretty big issue, um, competing with, the you know, the sort of traditional style of mall. Um, you do have a lot of new entrants to the market, um, some of them from Asia. Some of them uh, from Europe, and so it's a highly competitive space. Um, And you know, additionally, we've seen maybe some move away from fast fashion to um, you know higher cost, uh, higher cost clothing.
0: Now. The actual bricks and mortar operation, is it possible they overextended too quickly? I think they really uh, went on this tear for about six years, and uh, they were taking up huge flagship space in major cities, like 90,000 square feet, I think, in Times Square alone. Uh, Is that maybe a little too aggressive in this climate?
1: It may well be, and I've seen a number of uh, commentators uh, indicate that, uh, you know, with fast fashion, people kind of want to go in and out, and uh, and they were generating a lot of space, certainly um, dedicated to you know men's clothes as well, other you know other items, and uh, perhaps that was a bit ambitious. I know that they're not talking about closing all of their stores. I certainly look. I mean, they are in Canada, but they're not talking about doing that um, in throughout the U.S. So potentially they still see some value in the brand. I guess one of the other vulnerabilities is this. Some of the fast fashion ones and some are exceedingly successful. I mean, you know, Zara, H&M come to mind, but you know, uh certainly uh the you know, the Gap and and others. Um, you know, some do very well by having a mix. So you think about a TJ you know, TJX kind of store where you've got a mix of of brands. Um if you're going to do a mono brand, which is everything's under your own label, you really want to stay ahead of trends, and I think when Forever 21 began, um, it was well-placed to do that, but with increasing competition, maybe not as clearly out on its own. And then there have been some suggestions by commentators, and I can't say that I'm an absolute expert in, in fashion for, you know, young women, but um, that maybe the uh, the edge that it once had was falling away.
0: You know, uh, Carl, there's another interesting phenomenon here or dynamic in play. Uh, they were seen as an anchor store in some uh, fairly upscale malls. So if you've got, I don't know if it's a domino effect, let's say a linchpin like uh, a JCPenney's or a Macy's or a Sears pulls out, does it impact the people in the neighborhood, uh, meaning the other stores?
1: Yeah, I mean, it can um, because, you know, they're they're obviously sort of driving traffic. But if you think about... Other entities that have entered the space, like you know, like Uni- Uniqlo or um, Urban Planet, I mean, they're also you know filling fairly substantial amounts of space. So one would imagine that uh, that there's certainly enough competition out there to uh, take up most of this. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't suggest that it's not going to have some effect during the transition on neighboring stores.
0: I'm just wondering though in a In a mall itself, I mean, Yorkdale is certainly an exception. I drove by it yesterday, and it's always jammed the parking lot. doesn't matter what day of week. But uh, some malls are really dependent on uh, an anchor store, and if Forever 21 is seen as an anchor in that mall, uh, could that start to unravel things in that particular space?
1: Well, certainly, if they don't get a replacement in a reasonable span of time, it was starts, It's going to start to have an effect. I mean, if people are going to a mall, and they have um, Forever Twenty One in mind, and then obviously while they're there, they may shop for other things, then that's going to have a negative effect. But my sense is that there's enough in the fashion space that's growing at the same time. That there's, a, you know, there's a significant opportunity to sign up other other major tenants.
0: What, by the way, is the future of the shopping mall? Well, in Canada, it's different than the U.S. No
1: question that malls were heavily overbuilt in the U.S., um, and so they've seen some, you know, they've taken like quite a beating, frankly, uh, south of the border. Um, you know there's there's obviously a lot of technology that wasn't out there you know 10 20 certainly 30 years ago and so some of the tech offerings are are filling more space um so that is that is a prospect and I think what a lot of them are doing, certainly on the sort of cutting edge, you know, if you look uh, around the world, is they're, they're certainly driving that sort of community space, community experience part of it. I mean, it's not just a stopping shop, a shopping stop, although obviously some people will use it for that from, you know, much of the time. So it's partly about a sort of cooler customer experience, but the notion that... Um, you know, there's only fashion out there competing for the consumer's wallet, you know, I think that would be a misapprehension. And I think one of the challenges in apparel uh, has been that there's a significant call on customers' wallets that come from the tech side, be that software or, you know, new tablets or phones or what have you, and that that is squeezing the wallet a bit.
0: But it's interesting what you had said earlier. Uh, There's always going to be jobs for people who are good in retail
1: yeah that's certainly our sense I mean we we know how retail is done uh, recently, and it's holding its own in terms of uh, in terms of employment, notwithstanding online and in fact, for the last month for which statistics are available, uh, which is July of two thousand and nineteen because they take two months to assemble them, um, that's actually up three point four percent in core retail that's not you know leaving out gasoline where the price hmm. rockets up and down but it's up year-over-year in core retail. That's not immense growth, but, you know, it's a solid, you know, respectable pace of growth.
0: Yeah, heading in the right direction at the very least. Uh, Carl, I appreciate your weighing in. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You got it. Carl Littler is a Senior VP Public Affairs with the Retail Council of Canada. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.